Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Manju Kakari, a registered dietitian who has always had a love for science and grew up in a large family of medical professionals. She originally wanted to be a dentist or an architect, and luckily for all of us, she found dietetics. She has worked in many different settings, including academia, clinical, corporate wellness, and currently has her own private practice, marrying a lot of these as well. She finds joy in being a registered dietitian, but she also makes sure to include service in her daily life. Please enjoy my conversation with Manju. to have you as a guest on the podcast today. I have been admiring you from afar over the interwebs over the past year that I think we kind of connected and I'm thrilled to have you on today. Well, it is such a pleasure because I have been following you as well and I listen to your podcast among many other dietitians podcasts mm-hmm. and I love to follow along and what I love most about your podcast is, you know, just listening to the uh, personal stories about uh, other dietitians and how they came to be and, you know, uh, because every person has a story. And it is so interesting to know who they truly are as a person and what they bring to their practice in whatever way they practice. Uh, And it truly shows. It's fun. You know, I really, that's, I think the best part. Like, I think this is more of a personal, (laughs) I kind of do this just because I want to hear all these stories. Like you said, everyone has has a story and they're always so interesting and unique, but then they're always, we always can connect with them too, right? That's true. Yeah. (laughs) We're like, oh, I've been there. I've, that's happened to me. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm such a person, like a people person. Uh, and that's, I think, one of the reasons I love listening to all these stories, because I'm like, oh, my gosh, now I know, you know, so-and-so was a dancer and so-and-so yeah. was doing this before. <laughs> and even though I've not actually met these people in person yet, uh, even when I see their Instagram or even when I see their picture on whatever, I'm like, ah, I know, I know this person. Like, mm-hmm. I know <laughs> That's what's so great about the internet, too. It's like you feel like you're lifelong friends, but you maybe have never met in person before. Yeah. So when you and I see each other at a fancy sometime (laughs) in person, I'm going to be like, oh, my God, that's who you are. (laughs) I know that I'm, I'm looking forward to that, to be honest. I can't wait until that can happen again soon. Next year, hopefully. Yes, I hope so, too. Well, I am very curious, um, you know, where did you get started with dietetics? How did you become interested in it? What sparked it all for you? That is a long story. No, I'll make it short. (laughs) (laughs) So it's so funny because, you know, I grew up in a family full of healthcare professionals. I mean, all the way from my grandparents like maternal and paternal and my parents and my aunts and uncles and cousins and you name it like and all kinds of healthcare professions wow like ranging from all different types yeah my 
paternal grandfather was a general practitioner. My maternal grandfather was the first general surgeon in town before penicillin was invented. Wow. And then he went into the independence movement. And my mother was an obstetrician. My father was a dental surgeon. My younger sister is a pediatric dentist. Oh, my gosh. first cousin is a radiologist. I mean, I'm serious. Like, you think your whole family could take care of everyone. I, I know. <laughs> and you know what? Growing up, we never had to make an appointment to go see any, like a healthcare professional, because you, yeah. you know, just go with my parents. And they, they knew every doctor of any kind in town. And we would just go and be seen. <laughs> and, me, and my mom, being an obstetrician, my younger sister and I, we were actually born in her hospital. You know, her oh. best friend, who was also an obstetrician, delivered us in oh. her hospital. So we were born in her own hospital. Wow. And so <laughs> it is just, I have held babies since I was a little girl because my mom's hospital was right next to our house. And oh. <laughs> all of our relatives, you know, their babies were born there. And, you know, they would always be there. And it's just, healthcare was just part of our life. Yeah, it sounds like quite a community. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it was just in it. I was in it. And I wanted to be a dentist, actually, mm. uh, in the beginning. And then... Um, I actually, we lived in a kind of a smaller town. It's no longer small, but at the time it was a smaller town. And our town did not have a dental school. So I would have had to go to Mumbai, which is a bigger town. And, you know, there were limited number of seats, like where Mm. you could get in. And like, so I didn't get into the dental school. And then the second choice was I wanted to be an architect. Oh, and <laughs> so not medical at all. <laughs> no, not at all. So and the, the, I know that I, I told you it's a long story. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is like good. a it from, you know, very different ways. And then um, uh, because I, I was creative, I, I am creative, I should say. I shouldn't mm-hmm. say I was. Uh, and I'm very good with my hands. Um, you know, doing things with my hands, very detail oriented and things like that. And so architecture was one thing that, you know, I was very much interested in. And again, you know, where the architecture school was, I did not want to go there. Mm. And with the way the system, the education system worked in our state, like you couldn't just get up and go anywhere. You know, that's not so you could apply only in certain places. And, you know, oh. if you were in a certain state or this, like, and I'm like, oh, forget it, you know, whatever. <laughs> And so then I decided to go to, so nutrition was kind of, you know, a thought, honestly, mainly because um, science was the area, right, I was interested Mm -hmm. in. And nutrition, though, was in College of Home Economics. Mm. And to me, that was like, I'm like, what? (laughs) It's like, I'm like, okay, fine you know, whatever. So I went in and the first year, all the courses are pretty much the same. Everybody takes kind of the same courses in College of Home Economics, but then based on all the basic courses, you would then be eligible to apply to a major 
within the College of Home Economics. And if you got really good you know, marks and grades in certain classes, which were science classes, basically, mm-hmm. only then you could get into food and nutrition. Well, obviously, because then you had to take biochemistry and physiology and anatomy yeah. and all that, all right? All the science, yeah. Exactly. And that was no-brainer. I got in. And so that's how I got into food and nutrition. And I absolutely, you know, I loved it. And our actually food and nutrition class was kind of small within the College of Home Economics because there was also uh, child development uh, and then there was home management and there was textiles and there was, I'm trying to think, there were several other majors within College of Home Economics. Um, But the food and nutrition one was always the smallest major. Interesting. Um, And our biochemistry labs always used to be on Saturday morning. So we always had... Six days of college. Jeez, yeah, that's not we, fair. <laughs> that's we we don't we never had two days of weekends. You know, for uh, us Sundays was the only day. Huh. But then it was only three years of college. Oh, not four. And so we completed our bachelor's in three years, but we went to school six days, not six five. Days. <laughs> and it was a full day of college, and it was not. You know, you take a few courses, you do, and attendance was mandatory. Mm-hmm. If you did not show up to class, I mean, there was attendance taken. Mm-hmm. Like, if you did not have more than 90% attendance, um, of course, if you got sick, you had to bring in a note and stuff. So, you were excused. If you, if you did not have more than 90% attendance, you could not take your final exam. Ooh. I mean, it was that strict. Yeah. That this, is strict. Our, our college was like more like a school. And so I, you know, I aced it. It was all, you know, well, I was a science geek. You're a science girl. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then I came to do my bachelor's in the U.S. And I did my bachelor's at University of Kentucky. And that was in nutritional sciences. So it was not a dietetics degree, actually. Mm. And I was doing research in effect of dietary calcium on colon cancer. And that was actually all animal research. Uh, So I had 150 Fisher 344 rats. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, they were all divided into four different uh, study groups and they were given, you know, four different types of diets and studying. They were induced with colon cancer and all that stuff. And, um, I had not done animal research before, but I learned it. And during my graduate school, I also became a teaching assistant because in order to pay for graduate school as an Mm. international student, you know, being a teaching assistant and a research assistant is a very lucrative way because you get paid uh, and it also gives you a discount on your tuition. Nice. And I taught biochemistry to undergraduate students. You taught, oh my gosh. (laughs) That's a job. (laughs) I'm telling you, I could recite Krebs cycle in my sleep for many years. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You should probably school me on that again. (laughs) I'm not sure I could do it anymore though. It's been a while. But that was, yeah, I, I just loved biochemistry. You know, it just made sense. It really kind of helped you see how things connect Mm -hmm. and why, 
you know, how you can actually see why everything actually eventually has to get broken down into glucose and why that is the energy source and how it actually comes out as ATPs and that's the energy that your cells can use. See, I can still tell you some parts of Krebs Yeah, cycle. oh, I would say you're doing very well. <laughs> parts of Krebs cycle, not all of it. <laughs> um, but that that was, you know, the masters and that was when, now I'm going to really date myself here. That was the last year when your master's research, obviously, you know, diet-related research, was allowed in place of the internship as party oh. eligibility. Gosh, so, that just kind of makes sense, though. That would have been amazing if that still existed, right? Yeah, and so I became eligible to take my RD exam after my master's. Nice. And um, so my master's thesis also became a publication. You know, I was able to publish my research, uh, mm-hmm. present my research at a biological conference in New Orleans. And then I was actually so looking forward to going to New Orleans for Fancy. Um, I was bummed because I presented my research for the first time uh, in New Orleans. And that was the first time I'd gone to New Orleans. I'm like, oh my God, I get to go to New Orleans again. And Darn well, it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but that was, you know, kind of how I became eligible to become an RD. But at that time, also, you know, getting a clinical job was also part of my goal because I had not done any clinical work here in the U.S. Uh, during my bachelor's, we had a little bit of clinical internship. We had a little bit of public um, nutrition internship. You know, those those were mm-hmm. very short, though, not like here, not like a whole year long and things like that. But also, it's very different. You know, uh, the hospitals in India are quite different how a dietitian is perceived is very, there's no public nutrition dietitian kind of stuff there. It doesn't gotcha. really exist. And uh, it now, you know, looking back and I'm thinking, boy, I'm so glad I got that initial acute care experience uh, to be able to take my RD exam because I don't think I would have passed the RD exam without it. Interesting. So yeah. I got the job as RD eligible and fortunately, you know, my RD exam date kind of wasn't until after I had already started my job. <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of studying on the job. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing. <laughs> and I had an amazing team of dietitians who I am still in touch with, you know, from Aww. my very first job. And uh, my first job was on Long Island and... Yeah, Rita Batija was like one of the dietitians I met on Long Island for the first time when I was there. Uh, of course, I'm always in touch with her. She's such Aww. an active member. And uh, there are two other dietitians. One of them now works in um, Vermont. One is in New Jersey now. But yeah, I'm in touch with them. A couple of them have retired. Uh, but they were great. You know, they were very kind to me, even though I was like so green. Like, mm-hmm. I had no idea. <laughs> um, but it was also a great hospital that had everything. In my very first clinical job, there was maternity, there was med surge, there were ICUs, there was an outpatient oncology clinic, there was an outpatient eating disorders clinic. 
And oh, wow. I had a chance to, you know, there was a dialysis unit as well. Now, I did not get a chance to actually work in the dialysis unit as an entry-level dietitian, but I got a chance to kind of talk to the dialysis dietitian, you know, mm-hmm. just to kind of get it to hear we'll learn. Her how yeah. she does things. Uh, but all these other floors, right, I got a chance to do a little bit of different things. And that, I believe, is what prepared me for the RD exam. Um, so it, that was definitely very helpful. How and then I moved. You, yeah. I say, how long were you there than the AQ setting? Actually, that particular job, I was there just for about a year because um, m- my husband got a different job and he moved to Massachusetts. Okay. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to quit my job right away. I have to stay in my job at least for a year because it looks bad on your resume. You know, your first job. Your yeah. Friend. So I stayed back oh, and I, I worked for a whole year in that job before I moved. And then I moved to Massachusetts uh, and I worked I, still in acute care. Um, but that one was like a tertiary care. So there was no maternity, no pediatrics, no, you know, it was very um, like 65 and over only and really, really sick people. I mean, mm. we only had a surgical ICU, CCU um, and oncology ICU. Right. Okay. Very. But then that gave me another different opportunity where I had an opportunity to become a CNST. Because we had such sick population, I got a lot of exposure to nutrition support. And we had, uh, I noticed that there weren't really robust protocols for that and a very supportive pharmacist. So I worked with the pharmacist and I said, hey, you know, we really need to, obviously, we need to make sure that if there are so many people who need this, we need to have proper protocols. So the pharmacist and I both became certified nutrition support, um, you know, dietitian and certified nutrition support pharmacist. Mm -hmm. We both did that and then prepared the protocols for the hospitals and things like that. And I loved that, you know, that was again, a very hands-on, you know, very productive and very uh, purposeful work. Uh, and, and very sciencey, so totally oh, oh, yeah. played right <laughs> into your passion. Yes. <laughs> and again, you know, that uh, that me taking initiative there kind of also led me to take on more responsibility there. And I became a chief dietitian at that hospital. Ooh, and that's got amazing. A chance, yeah, I got a chance to take on some managerial responsibilities, handle, you know, other... That I have to say, though, I was not too thrilled with because now I had to not only manage the clinical staff, but I also had to manage the food service staff. Oh, yes. That's a different animal, isn't it? It is completely (laughs) different, and especially the part where uh, you had this... uh, part-time we had full-time staff which came in at 5 a.m you know had we had amazing chefs and it was great I loved working with them in the morning and then in the afternoon at three o'clock we had this part-time staff came in the kitchen Mm. (laughs) and guess who they were they were all high school students yeah (laughs) 
just going to say high school and college kids. You've been there. (laughs) Yes. And oh my goodness, right? And you do in-service after in-service after in-service and you kind of, and obviously they're not on the job for too long. They leave, you rehire, you. (laughs) Yes. And that's the part that was frustrating to me. I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm like, okay, I can do this calculating all kinds of tube feedings and TPNs and PPNs all day long. <laughs> talk <But> these to, <laughs> kids. <laughs> yes, I can talk to the surgeons and convince them yeah. and write the post-it notes to change diet orders. <laughs> oh, goodness. But, um, but again, that was an experience. And, sure. Uh, and then my husband had an opportunity to work in Bermuda. So then I took that opportunity and quit my job and left with him to go live in Bermuda for five years. I don't blame you on that one. <laughs> exactly. I'm in Boston, Bermuda. Yeah. Why not, right? <laughs> that sounds dreamy. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it was great. And, you know, I thought, okay, that's it. I'm taking a break. I, don't, I do not need to just be in... I wanted to keep my credential, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, so I came back. We, we lived in Bermuda for about five years. And it's a transient community anyway, so you don't really stay there forever. Sure. Uh, but I came back for Fancy two or three times during that time, I think, <clears throat> because I wanted to keep up. Yeah, just to connect, yeah, and connect with dietitians. And from there, we moved back to North Carolina. We, I was like, I'm not going back to Boston from Virginia. <laughs> that would be a hard transition. <laughs> so after coming here, though, I immediately got my license here. Um, that was, it was important to me, you know, to keep my, uh, you know, again, maintain my credential, do what needed to be done in this state. And I didn't start working right away. Um, so I started volunteering. I started volunteering with the local schools, the Interfaith Food Shuttle, you know, Meals on Wheels, which I still volunteer. Like, I'll be delivering tomorrow. Aww, that's great. Meals. And um, Because that's, you know, volunteering is just a huge part of my life. That is something also that has been ingrained. Um. In our family, my parents always volunteered and, you know, within their profession as well as in the community. Mm. Um, So it's just something that we've always done. Um, It's just part of life, right? It's just always been something that you do. It's just um, something you do. I've worked here now as, you know, done some work for a local gym. I did Duke University's Employee Health and Wellness. I've done, you know, um, what else did I do here? I'm trying to think. Um, oh, I've done um, corporate wellness, which I still do. I, yes, I, I thought so. Do, I used to do uh, corporate wellness in terms of like doing a specific um like employee wellness fairs and things like that. Those mm-hmm. I don't do anymore. I okay. stopped doing that, but I've done more like contract corporate wellness where they will actually hire me to do a specific workshop or a specific cooking demo or a specific, you know, so that's, I'm not doing just a fair and I'm going to just go in there and things like that. Uh, and now, especially over the last 18 months or almost two years now um, with the virtual uh, space, um, 
the corporate wellness has taken off even more than before, which I thought, I'm like, oh my God, am I going to lose that revenue? Mm-hmm. But I have gained more because uh, the company that I was contracting with, they are not only contracting me just for the local things, but literally everywhere that they have contracts. I have done more cooking demos for everywhere on the East Coast. Oh, wow. Literally than just here. Because obviously when it was in a person, you know, they would try to contract you for within 25 miles of like where you are, Mm -hmm. you know, so that you're not spending too much time just traveling. Um, So it has been... The, the virtual space definitely, you know, which I was worried about actually is like, oh man, how are they going to do that? Nope. There have been, even in November, which I was surprised, like there were a couple of weeks, I had like three cooking demos in one week. Uh, That's I'm interesting. Like, wow. Yeah. That's impressive. So. so did you, when you came back to kind of North Carolina, then did you kind of start your own private practice then? And that's where you kind of started just doing different things with your, with your profession? So I actually did not start my private practice right away because my kids were really, really young. And mm-hmm. that's why I was kind of volunteering with schools and, you know, doing other things. Sure, and that makes sense. Then started doing the uh, Duke Employee Health and Wellness because that was a part-time job. And I used to get phone calls because I was always in the Eat Right Pros, of, you know, find an expert directory. Sure. Um, even though I technically didn't necessarily have my own practice. You know, I was always listed in it. And um, people would call me and say, oh, you know, uh, your name looks Indian. Uh, My husband got a diagnosis of this and this, and they said I need to go talk to a dietitian. Oh, they would always say nutritionist, actually. I need to go talk to a nutritionist, Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure they're going to know what I'm supposed to eat, you know, about my foods and stuff. Oh, sure. Can you just give me a meal plan? (laughs) And I'm like, "Um, I really can't do that because I'm not in private practice, and I don't have my own, you know, office or clinical like that. Let me find you somebody who Mm -hmm. I can, you know, I I can give you a name or somebody who you can go talk to. Uh, and they're like, no, 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 no. You know, we, we, we would, I'm like, no, I can't do that. And they would just not get it. <laughs> they wouldn't like, believe why you. <laughs> I can't do it. And they're like, can't you just tell me? And I'm like, no, I am a healthcare professional. Like, can you call your friend who happens to be a doctor and ask them to write a prescription? Right. Will they do that over the phone? <laughs> no, they won't do that. It's like that. And they could not understand that it's like that. And I'm like, you know, no, 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 I can't do it. And it it went on for a few years. And I thought, obviously, you know. There's a need. (laughs) So so, something's trying to tell me I should do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I had actually my name for the practice and, you know, paperwork and stuff done uh, for a couple of years. But uh, me being me, getting involved in everything that I'm part of, I was the PTA president at school and I was, you know, like doing all kinds of things. We started a Montessori school, so I was on the board of that school. Oh, wow. What, right? I'm like, oh my God, is this the right time for me to be doing that? Right. Yes. So I kind of, you know, took a little breather. I'm like, okay, I got to find the right time. And I started it. 
And I still was working with Duke at the time. And after about six months of that, I'm like, this is crazy. I'm not paying attention. I have to quit my Duke job and really like give all of my attention, even though it may not be a thriving practice, I have to give all of my attention to the practice if that's what I'm going to do. And I did that. And it still took a while, as we know, right? Nothing just gets off the ground and runs. Um, so it took, took a while. Um, and then slowly, surely, and I never had intentions to like work 60 hours a week. You mm-hmm. know, that was not my goal. Um, but I did want to make sure that I was accessible. So I made sure that I accepted insurance. So I became in network with Blue Cross Blue Shield first since they are the primary providers here in North Carolina. They're one of the largest. Uh, and then over um, COVID times, Medicare really has um, expedited their process. Uh, so I became uh, in network with Medicare as well. And in just last two, three years, I've also been in network with United Healthcare. And there are other providers here, but they have very small networks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not in network with every single provider, but, you know, the majority ones are. And when people call me and they say, oh, you're not in network. And I say, you know what? I'll help you find somebody who is. Mm-hmm. But I want you to see a dietitian. Don't yes. go just see somebody <laughs> like, you know, and I, or I'll tell them how to find one. I'm like, okay, go on your provider network and look for these initials behind a person's name. That's how you know that they are a dietitian. And that's how, you know, they'll it'll tell you. And sometimes I still get clients who said, oh, no, no, my friend who came to you said, I need to come see you. It's okay, even if you're not in network, but I want to come talk to you. You know, and so to me, that's uh, a testament, but I'm very honest with people that, you know, if I'm not in network, I'm going to have to send them a bill. Um, Mm -hmm. Just that's how it is. But if they want me to find somebody in network, I'm happy to help them. Yes. Yeah, that is a testament to you and your services. I don't want to put somebody off and I don't want to surprise them. Right, right. And that's, you know, and insurance is a big thing. You know, they have insurance, they want to use their insurance, and we have to understand that. And actually, the funny thing is, a lot of times people don't even know their insurance covers it. I know. (laughs) Like, I have friends who don't know that their insurance covers their visits to a dietitian. We just shout it out from the rooftops, don't we? I know, I know. (laughs) I keep telling them. I'm like, you know, your insurance pays for it. Mm -hmm. That's so true, though. But I think a lot of dietitians don't even know themselves that they're covered under certain insurances. So there's probably a disconnect between both ends. (laughs) And it's such, such an important, I mean, we know how important nutrition is, right from prevention, wellness, management, delay of onset of certain things right so Mm -hmm. all of those things right so of course it should be covered Mm -hmm. of course it should be part of healthcare, and we have to make sure that we definitely work to um you know not only inform the public but we also make sure that we work to keep that coverage and keep and, and that's one of the reasons i've been a huge policy, you know, advocate 
mm-hmm. in our profession and I've done a lot of that volunteer work um, for my affiliate and DPGs and all kinds of stuff. And um, it's, it's something I'm very passionate about. And one of the things um, on the last half hour, actually, for any, I had said, uh, one of the mentees who contacted me said, oh, I want to start a private practice. I want to, you know, can you help me with some this and this and this? And I'm debating whether I want to accept insurance or not. And I said, well, you can determine, you know, but if you really want your services to be accessible to more and more people, you know, insurance is a good way. And that also helps get your name out because the, it's going to be listed in, mm-hmm. as a provider in your insurance. And she said, oh, yeah, I think that's that's a good way, I guess, then I should. And then I asked her, I said, so have you taken action on the MNT Act for MNT? She's like, no, what's that? And I said, you know, that bill we are like, have been trying to get in Congress, but like, and, and I wanted to like I'm like I'm so glad you're not in front of me and we're talking on the phone because <laughs> like you want to be in private practice and you have not taken action on this yes <sighs> that's frustrating uh, I'm like okay as soon as we hang up I want you to get online and you are going to tell me you took action I said, that is the first act as my mentee you are going to do. <laughs> That's a good, a, good, a good call to action there, my dear. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. I, I, and now I'm like, from that, I've learned, like, I ask all mentees, have you taken action? Like, if you want to talk about private practice, I'm going to ask you that first. Oh, that's a really good idea. I need to do that with mine, too, because... There are so many people, again, that they don't know that this even is out there in the world and they need to do it. And it's so simple. It is so simple. The Academy makes it so simple so for us. Simple. Yes. <laughs> they yeah. really do. Yeah. So when you, so how did you get interested in like corporate wellness? Was that something that you always kind of had? Was it something that just kind of fell into your lap with working for Duke or was it something that you'd always kind of had on your radar? So it, uh, it kind of fell into my lap um, in a way of trying to expand uh, the reach of my private practice. And to begin with, you know, when I was talking to other entrepreneurs, for example, uh, as I mentioned to you, I would kind of go to employee health fairs, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to put my name out there, uh, you know, from my practice really out there, you know, putting my table out there and offering this and that and whatnot, which is how I got out there. And then putting on a smoothie station, for example, or putting on a display and because things, you have to make things attractive, right? Yes. You know, food (laughs) always attracts people. Yes. (laughs) So that's an easy thing. And so, then I recognize that there are other ways to get this. And I love to cook, by the way. I love to cook. I love to bake. I'm adventurous in terms of like all different types of cooking. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter. And so I thought, you know what? And this is something I like and I'm good at it. I should actually use that and be able to offer that. And, you know, just like not necessarily just to get my private practice out there, but this is just another avenue. Um, so it doesn't have to be just to get the private practice name out. And now, so when I do the corporate wellness as a contract, 
I actually technically cannot use my private practice name because that's part of the contract is like I'm there just me as Manju Karkare dietitian you know I'm not there as a nutritionally yours dietitian gotcha which is fine you know Mm -hmm. it's okay they're paying me you know they're paying me for that hour so it doesn't matter Uh, and I get to do something I like you know, I get to cook in front of everybody. I'm giving really good skills. It's interactive. Uh, people are appreciative of, you know, things that they're learning. And it's that interactive part they love. And which is something I was doing for Cooking Matters for oh, yes. Interfaith Food Shuttle anyway. You know, and that was, I was doing that as a volunteer. I was teaching six-week courses for Interfaith Food Shuttle for Cooking Matters. Oh. For so many years when I was volunteering, uh, I I just don't have that much time anymore. I don't sure. have every six weeks of chunks of time to give them. Uh, but I did that for so many years before I started, actually, even after I started my, like in the beginning of my private practice years, I was still doing that. Uh, and at the beginning, I'm trying to think, when did I get inducted? I got inducted into Cooking Matters Hall of Fame in 2016. Aww. Yeah. So, yeah. So after you have taught certain number of series, you get inducted into Hall of Fame, and I'm like, "Wow! All right, awesome. this is <laughs> that's really neat." I didn't even know that existed until I got the letter. I'm like, "What? What Hall of Fame is this?" <laughs> well, that's a nice thing to have on your resume. I know that was pretty cool. <laughs> I bet you you're fantastic at, at doing your classes too. I'm sure people love you. I, I love it. And it, it, it was great. And, you know, even the Cooking Matters classes, I did it actually with our uh, Meals on Wheels executive chef. And oh, we fun. became quite a pair. Uh, and there were certain groups of people we did it for. They were challenging audiences. And the interfaith food shuttle organizers who would organize they kind of knew and when they knew that it was a challenging group or something they would specifically come and ask us like hey manju would you would you guys do this one mm. you know i think we need you to do we these. need you we need the power <laughs> <It's> like, duo <laughs> yes because we did some that were like you know uh challenging um developmentally challenged adult group Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, so they, each one of them had a shadow. We did, uh, there is a alternative school here, which is middle school, high school, but that school, and honestly, I didn't know that existed until I did these classes there. That school has every single door from the exterior to the office door to the back. Everything is locked mm. because all the students there are the ones that have basically been kicked out from all other public schools in the country. Oh, oh, wow. And I am telling you, oh my God, that was so challenging. I I can only imagine. (laughs) The conversations in that class, and I don't even remember I've had that conversation with teenagers before. The kids would be like, well, I can't come to class next week because you know what? I got to go to um, a custody trial. And we'd be like, a custody trial? Like, 
you're in high school. Like, what goes through? And like, oh yeah, my 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 kid. What? And I'm like, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around. Like, what am I? What am I hearing here? You know? Mm-hmm. Or wow. they would be talking about, oh yes, and a lot of them lived with their grandparents, or they were living in a foster home, or they were, you know, there were so many things beyond just. But they learned knife skills. They learned basic food safety. and by the end of those 6 weeks oh my god they were so happy mm. because they knew they could possibly get a job in the restaurant oh sure absolutely you gave them a new skill set exactly and we did we ended up doing multiple classes there oh that's neat because they asked for it and the teachers there said yes Yes, you might think that this is this is a challenging group, and yes, they might not come to all six because they're just not in school all six weeks. Mm-hmm. But they loved it. And That's you know, that so rewarding, so fulfilling. Yes, wow. You know that was so fulfilling. Like these kids were talking about, oh my god, you mean I can make soup for my grandma? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my god, that is so wonderful to hear. That's amazing. and you'll never know the the impact it had you know what i mean like you'll never know like the longevity of the impact yeah, yeah. Um, but it's okay you know yeah. i can still go to bed knowing that somebody said that <laughs> yes oh that's so wonderful well that's neat that you've had those interesting experiences and that you keep having interesting experiences yes it, and those are the kinds of things also you know helped me grow as a presenter Oh, sure. right because there were so many different types of audiences there were kids there were these adults there were these uh, we taught in a food pantry for example right there was no sink oh sure yeah the sink was <laughs> in a like a different room around the corner or something we taught in urban ministries where they technically it, it, there wasn't even like a kitchen mm, yeah you know we we took a electric skillet mm-hmm. and we made recipes that would work in an electric skillet and it was based on whatever was available in that food pantry so we would use and make up the recipes based on what they were going to be able to take from there that they could actually make up a nutritious meal for the family sure And that like you're right it makes it's like improv at its best right because you're yeah. just you're just kind of figuring it out as you go and that would make you an excellent speaker because and you can fly up the seat you're you know not, just kind of going with it that every time it was somebody else in front of you sure and it was they were either from a different place their age was different or sometimes they spoke a different language you know before mm-hmm. or you know they had different um conditions that they brought questions about uh it was just a variety and we also did like boys and girls club where we had a pairs of um adult and child coming together oh, and sometimes sure. it was like having to tell that adult like no 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 let the child do it like they mm, can do this yeah. like, you don't have to do it for them <laughs> i'm, like, I'm But, sure that happened often i still yeah. kind of probably happens yeah yeah it's like no 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 trust the child i i assure you they can do this they can talk <laughs> they can they can stir it's okay <laughs> so 
currently you're kind of doing a mix of volunteer work, corporate wellness, speaking engagements. What else is kind of in the portfolio for you? Uh, I, I also serve on hmm, how many? Three. Just three now. Three community <laughs> boards. Just three. <laughs> <laughs> you are the busiest woman I've ever met. <laughs> uh, you know, I, if I'm not busy, though, I think you, I would, I would feel I'm not doing, I, I'm, I'm not being useful. Gotcha. It's just part of your makeup. Yeah. You need to be to be active. Yeah, I mean, you know, like what I wrote to you, right? It's <laughs> I, I can't be on the sidelines. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And that's good. That's a great quality. It's a good quality. Yeah. Yeah. So what does, I know that, and and I I feel like you've kind of hit a really great place in your profession, your personal life. Is there anything future-wise that you have planned for yourself professionally, or are you kind of enjoying just where you're at right now? I'm, I'm really enjoying, you know, where I am in terms of, I like the balance I have. Uh, I I don't work 40 hours a week, I'm being mm-hmm. honest. And that's one that's of the things great. when people call <laughs> me and ask me like, oh, can you precept? Can you do this? I said, look, I'm happy to help you. But if you're expecting to come and, you know, be having eight hours, I don't have that work. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy to show you how billing works. I'm happy to show you. I'm happy to give you a project. Last year, I helped a lot of students um, distance wise you know mm-hmm. i spoke i did i did a lot of guest lectures for a lot of educators because everybody was trying to make things work right sure um and so that so i tried to help in ways that i could uh, but i always want to try and make sure that i'm also fulfilling all of my interests um so you know i'm very passionate about education so i serve on a school board here I'm very passionate about women's empowerment and, you know, women's rights issues. And I just last year, I got off the board of Lillian's List here, which we recruit, train and then support women um, to run for local elected offices, legislative offices. Um, And so I've worked very much on that for many years uh, and still, am, you know, involved with the organization. I just don't serve on the board anymore. Um, so things like those passions that I have that are of social justice, I continue to work in that area. As I mentioned, I still deliver Meals on Wheels every week. Mm-hmm. I'll be doing that tomorrow. I make sure that is part of my life. Uh, taking care of my neighbors, you know, through COVID and all that stuff. Um, doing that. Uh, is important to me and so I don't want to be constantly uh, just work 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 and no you know no service no Mm -hmm. uh, play uh, things like that and for that reason again you know I want to make sure I'm giving back to my profession as well so in whatever capacity that I can wherever I feel that I have the skill set I give back for any I've been a mentor uh, I do communications work for a couple of DPGs. I, I'm a policy leader for the DBC uh, DPG. Um, I've, I mean, I've done policy work, you know, but just because of my interest sure. in the whole policy area in the state for affiliate work and uh, things uh, anyway. So 
when the DPG said, oh, we really need a DBC, uh, we need a policy leader, you know, it automatically makes me think like, okay, obviously I have that interest. I'm capable. Of course I should help. You yes. know, so that's just like, I'm like no brainer. That's not <laughs> exactly. I would feel bad if I didn't. You know, if someone needs the help and if I'm capable. Now, if somebody asks for something that I don't have the expertise for, I'm not going to feel bad about not offering my help because mm. I'm not the right person. Mm-hmm. Then that's okay. Absolutely. And I certainly do not have all the expertise. But you'll that find is- someone who does, right? <laughs> yes, I, I, that I definitely do because you have no idea. I mean, I'm like, uh, I try and nominate people for all kinds of things all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I love, I love where you're at, where you've been. I love where you're at in your life and how you just have found this lovely balance with your profession, your service, and, you know, just enjoying your life. I think that's such a huge part of our profession too. Like just, you know, advancing, but also finding the flow that works good for you over your lifetime. And some people leave and I'm glad you never left just to, (laughs) you know, because, you know, you, you did have other interests and you had other things that you wanted to do, but you still stuck with it. And that's awesome. Yeah, because that also is definitely part of, you know, giving me uh, joy and purpose. You know, mm-hmm. Every client, every, you know, interaction I have with uh, uh, whether it is corporate wellness or whether it's my individual clients, you know, it's wonderful to have that experience and having even no matter how small a part I play in their journeys, um, you know, that's fulfilling. I love that. That's lovely. Well, I, I always am a fan, Manju. I always love to follow. I love to hear you speak. I'm sure that all the people that listen to you and go to your cooking classes enjoy you so much too. So keep doing this amazing work that you're doing. Thank you. Yes. Well, I have some hard questions for you. Are you ready for those? Oh, I should know, I should know this since I listen to your podcast all the time. Always end with these hard questions. Will you share with me some foods that you enjoy? Oh, uh, you know, it's so funny because I enjoy all foods, all foods. <laughs> but especially spicy foods, of course. Mm. And, and not just Indian, right? I mean, I love Mexican food. I love Colombian food. I love, you know, anything that is like really flavorful, uh, you know, but it's it's got to be like nice and flavorful. I, I even love Japanese food. It's like anything. It doesn't have to be any, but it's got to be full flavor. Of, yeah. Gotcha. Do you ever share any of your recipes, like any of your favorite recipes or things that you love yeah. to cook? I have. Uh, I believe I I put them in. Um, I'm trying to think. I think FCP DPG last year was it last year or a few months ago? I did have some of my recipes in there. And you know, one of the funny things you say about recipes, I learned to cook by watching my mother and my grandmother, who never who ever didn't had use recipes. <laughs> And so when my daughter says, give me a recipe, and I'm like, watch me cook. (laughs) Just watch, (laughs) you'll know. (laughs) Yeah. So creating a recipe is rather the toughest job for me. But I do do make them just for the sake of writing them down. Sure, sure. (laughs) 
just in case. Yeah. <laughs> what um, kind of beverages do you enjoy? Mm, I'm a wine snob. Are you? <laughs> I, I know. I just am. You know, I, okay. it's got to be the right glass. It's got to be at the right temperature. It's, uh, yeah. You have your, you know, though, I do believe a I, glass does make a difference. So I don't think that's being snobby at all. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Makes yes. me feel better. But I am like, if somebody, if somebody offers oh you want a red or a white and I'm like uh I'll, I'll have something else yeah <laughs> not really that's not the right <laughs> terms to use to offer wine <laughs> they have names right <laughs> I mean you don't have to tell me the vintage I it's okay the so red or white uh, not the options yeah, I was looking for <laughs> I know but I also also like um, a really good gin. I like Hendrix, and mm-hmm. you know, um, not. Um, I like certain single malt, but not you know. And of course, water. Yeah, water is always a good constantly. Stable. I'm never too far <laughs> from my water bottle. Like my my third arm. <laughs> uh, what kind of scents or smells do you enjoy? Mm, floral. I am, and I wonder if that has something to do with, you know, just where I grew up. And we, I grew up, um, and we had a huge garden, and we always had jasmine and roses. Ooh. And I just love the, you know, not a very strong rose flavor, but jasmine, rose, lavender. Lavender is my absolute favorite. I couldn't imagine having fresh jasmine just right there in your garden that'd be amazing <laughs> I, I have a jasmine and um you know I have to bring it inside in winter so sure you have to surprise. winter it mm-hmm. yes uh what is something about you that maybe a lot of people don't know hmm let's see I, I kind of feel like you're an open book I don't I like know I was gonna say that back. you know <laughs> I you see what you see is what you get <laughs> I I don't have too many secrets necessarily, but uh, I I studied classical dance. Ooh. I love to dance. I absolutely love to dance. I can't say I'm really good at it, but, uh, but it. that's one of the reasons I um, love to go to my Zumba classes every oh, week. Oh, nice. Because that's my way of getting my dance moves out. Yes, that is really a scene. Now that's something I didn't know. I didn't know that you'd study dance and that you Zumba. Yep. So there's two things. <laughs> I used to actually teach dance while I was in graduate school as well. Oh my God. Again, how did you have time for all this? <laughs> you are the multi, you're the multitasking queen, I have to say. <laughs> Uh, all those memories uh and what brings you joy in life Manju oh wow um I think the short answer is service I think it makes me feel really good if I am living a purposeful life Mm -hmm. that's beautiful I mean, just hearing that inspires me to be, to talk about that more, probably with the people I precept and I mentor, like just having that, that piece of purpose with service is such a huge component. And it can be in different ways. It doesn't always have to be 
service to your community, service to your profession, service to your whatever. But um, if if I'm not living outside of myself, then I'm not going to be happy with myself. Mm. Another good perspective. Yes. You like that. You're just giving me all good food for thought today. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. Oh, you make it easy to talk. Oh, good. I know. It's too bad that we can't do this like, you know, for eight hours. I could probably <laughs> pick your brain about a lot of things. But well, we can talk again anytime. Yeah, I would love that. And hopefully we'll get to talk in, per- in person. That would yes. be even more amazing. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with me today so far. And I know I will continue to follow along and monitor all the great things that you're doing and also share share just what you do and maybe help other people that are looking for your assistance. Oh, it has been such a joy. And I know I continue to follow uh, all the people that you are speaking with as well. It's fun. It's a great network, and I'm glad you're part of it, Manju. Thank you. Thank you. Manju is such a joy to chat with. I love following all the things that she does for our profession. She's very involved uh, with our profession. She's very involved, like she mentioned, with policy. She finds just time to be a mentor, a preceptor. And then her whole conversation about service really resonated with me today about how we and how she includes it in her daily life and how I think that's such a great opportunity and something that we should also be focusing on as well rounding our own lives. And I know that I took that very much to heart and I know that that's something that I will definitely start incorporating a little bit more in my own life but if you don't follow manju she's wonderful Uh, she's on twitter facebook and instagram and i really recommend that you connect with her if you have questions about all the things she's done or all the things that she's doing and uh, just she's a great joy to to be in our profession remember to be great always find the joy in each day and to start a conversation that truly matters 